Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. I'm not going to jump on, do a podcast, and not acknowledge the hurt and pain that's going on in Ukraine. I'm not here to give any hot takes or pretend I'm some type of expert. I'm not. I'm so sure I speak for all our listeners when I say our hearts really do go out to Ukraine and everyone who is near to this region. I'm personally praying for the innocent people caught up in such evil and for it to stop. I would encourage you to take any action you see fit, either thoughts, prayers, financial donations, or even a call or message to someone you know who has family in the region and offers some support of any kind, even if comforting words. As a practical measure, I have donated money to UNICEF on behalf of My Millennial Money and details can be found in the Facebook group. I encourage you to find a charity of your choice if you are able to send financial help. Please don't give money if you're not in the position to, but I'm sure any amount will help. This podcast episode is not about how to make a quick buck when markets react due to such atrocities, but rather stepping back and looking at markets and portfolios as a whole when worldwide events happen, either planned or not. I'm feeling I do not want to run into this episode with music or even straight into our show partner ad, as it would feel weird to me to change gears into an advertisement. I do thank Tal for understanding. I was meant to have the month off the microphone from our quote-unquote fresh Tuesday shows and have a little break, but I'm back in Australia and I thought I'd see if I could jump on and grab someone to talk to about financial markets. Today, I welcome back Jody Fitzgerald to My Millennial Money, Head of Institutional Portfolio Management at Morningstar Investment Management, to chat about market volatility and investing in this climate. I'm Glenn Janes and you're listening to My Millennial Money. Welcome, Jody. Thanks for jumping back on a microphone at such short notice. Not a problem at all, Glenn. It's good to see you again. Now, I think it's just really important that we date stamp this episode. We are recording this on Monday, the 28th of February, 2022. Uh, When we talk about, you know, live events and markets and that, I think it's really important to date stamp. I sent you some stuff kind of that I wanted to talk about. Usually, you know, war aside and all that stuff, What happens to financial markets when a shock event occurs? And then I kind of ask you the question, well, if something was boiling, do markets react differently? So I don't know if you want to jump in anywhere. Uh, So yeah, I'll just hand it over to you. And I think just so, which you've already articulated up front that, you know, the, the invasion of Ukraine is definitely a human tragedy and that is, you know, our focus is on the people caught up in it. But also mindful of the fact that, you know, people here listening to this podcast have superannuation money. They have money that they're investing and they're probably hearing about the turmoil that this is causing in markets and that's causing them some concern. So we just want to share some thoughts today around, you know, what does happen, as you say, in investment markets when you get these geopolitical events and they can be all different types of events. The pandemic, for example, was was a big event as well that impacted markets. So just up front, I am not an expert on war or geopolitics and certainly not going to go down that path. 
What's important to understand, though, is that from here there's a huge range of, of our potential outcomes in this conflict and hence the importance of having a date stamp because, um, you know, every day when you wake up the news headlines are quite different. The news flow is increasingly fluid and harrowing. But the reality is, is we just don't know what will happen and how it will impact markets and economies. But there is one thing that I do know for certain, and what I know is that markets hate uncertainty. So you need to expect volatility. If you're the type of in person who's actually inclined to look at markets every day, be prepared, strap yourself in, because it's actually going to be a roller coaster while ever uncertainty is actually high. Now, we, we spoke earlier, Glenn, when I first arrived that... Um, uh, it would have been two years ago, we did a podcast on behavioural investing and the typical mistakes that investors will make and we're all prone to them, I'm prone to them, every single one of us is prone to them. But it's at times like these when we're more vulnerable than usual to making poor investment decisions. It's really, really easy to become nervous and go, I should just pull out of the markets or I should move my super from you know a growth option to a conservative option. And it's equally easy to be drawn into attractive narratives around what will do well as a result and go overweight those narratives, which may not necessarily be sensible either. So, you know, important to point out, I'm a big advocate of long-term investing, clearly, as a portfolio manager. But what we really need to focus on during these times is keeping your bearings. Don't lose sight of your long-term perspective and the reason why you're invested in the first place. Um, you know, if the, the headlines are unsettling and they can cause fear, but don't let that actually lead to suboptimal decisions in the way that you're actually managing your money because it's the fastest way that you'll destroy your own wealth. So... A question here, like all this COVID aside, um, geopolitics aside, all this wild stuff, do you think like stepping back with technology and how the world kind of is now, do you think volatility is the new norm in markets more so than even 20 years ago? Yeah, I think that's a, a, a fair conclusion because we, like, we get news from social media faster than we get it from news outlets. You wake up in the morning and you know exactly what's happened overnight. Whereas, you know, 20 years ago or even more, that was not necessarily the case. And, you know, again, going back to that behavioural investing is that people are emotional human beings. Well, you know, that's, that's what we are. And we respond to things in certain ways and seeing headlines can actually invoke an emotive response out of people and they'll, you know, by the time they're in the office, they've already bought or sold something because they thought that that was a sensible decision. And do you think more, the more kind of technology evolves and different, I guess, for want of a better word, trading algorithms and bots at an institutional level, could that be making things more volatile? Look, it can. Those sorts of bots don't cope with turning points very well because right. they rely on trends. Right. So then something like this happens and the trend gets disturbed and, and the trend's all over the place. So on Friday of last week when, you know, things really started to boil over, the market sold off really hard. You know, the next day it bounced equally as hard. So it's sort of, it's all over the place. But do you the think moment. the bounce was an algorithm? No, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's um, the fact that we also have hedge funds in the markets now as well, right? So anyone with shorts um, who have short sold things, so that's when somebody, uh, for people who don't know what that is, that's when uh, an institutional investor borrows stock that they don't own, they sell it into the market, um, you know, in, in the hope of actually buying it back later and then sort of, you know, selling it back off at the real price. But, um, you know, so a lot of those positions would have been closed out, people who were, you know, owning stock getting nervous. 
it's just it's just the general investor behavior during these periods of time and it'll be more humans than the bots yeah and i think that's probably more maybe what i was getting at with like there's more hedge funds probably in america now and probably in australia shorting weird types of things with markets and whatnot and it just makes it choppy it does yeah it really does yeah because everyone's got a different reason for investing in a different, you know, way that they're trying to invest. And, you know, at times like this, people just behave in different ways. So one of the things that um, money people say, economists say, and, you know, loud and clear, you're not going to say you're an economist, but you've been around a lot of economists. Mm. Um, they say that the market always prices in stuff and the market is different than the economy. Yeah. Now, my kind of question is, what is the difference, you know, I talked about when shock things happen, like 9-11 was a shock to people. And that was chaos, shock yep. overnight. Yep. COVID, yeah, it kind of boiled a bit. But what happens, like, did markets already price in some geopolitical turmoil prior to last Friday or was it a shock to markets? Well, Markets were already volatile going into this, but I wouldn't necessarily say that they were pricing in something like this occurring. There's a lot of other things and I think that's important for us to unpack because as people are reading headlines, the headlines give you the impression this has all happened overnight and actually a lot of it hasn't in terms of energy prices or the stock market selling off. Like the the sell-off in the stock market has actually been going on since the beginning of the year. Okay, so it's not certainly directly linked just to what's going on at the moment. And it's been selling off since the beginning of the year because there's been real, you know, sort of concerns with regards to where economies are at and that we have high inflation. And we can come back to that a bit later and talk about what might be happening in Russia and Ukraine that could impact that. Um, But that high inflation would ultimately lead the central banks around the world and in particular the US Federal Reserve to increase interest rates, which would then sort of start to slow the economy down. Can I also get you to maybe just explain maybe inflation in a nutshell, just yep. so people can really understand and why lots of inflation might be bad, not much of it might also be bad? Yeah. So inflation is actually, basically it's measuring the degree to which the things that you buy every day goes up. So in other words, if you could buy a loaf of bread today for a dollar and it's a dollar twenty tomorrow, inflation was twenty percent. Um, but what 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 we do is you measure a basket of goods and services that are the typical goods and services that the average person buys. So in other words, based on the income that you have today, can you buy the same basket of goods and services in a year's time that you could sort of today? And invariably no, because prices have gone up. And that's only a big problem if wages aren't increasing as well for people? Absolutely. So if your wage isn't increasing in line with inflation, then your what we refer to as purchasing power, so how you know much you can actually buy, goes down. And that's why investing is super important that, you know, when we're investing portfolios, what we're thinking about is not, you know, you know, necessarily beating this index or that index, but rather can we actually outpace inflation? So CPI plus objectives where CPI is the measure of inflation. Because what you want to do is have that whatever wealth you're building today, you want it to be increasing in value but also increasing in purchasing power. Um, so inflation can actually erode your wealth because you've got less or the money that you have buys less goods. Mm. So, that's, so that's why the market was starting to get concerned because inflation was a problem. So what we're kind of saying is like, 
this energy crisis slash inflation crisis was already bubbling along in the background. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and that's why it's really important to look through the noise of the day and say, right, okay, so what, what, what's really happening here and, you know, and how could markets be, be impacted? So, so let me unpack why this is adding to sort of energy prices. So at the moment, about 16% of the world's petroleum and 22% of the world's natural gas comes out of Russia. So in both cases, gas and, and, and oil, uh, Russia's actually the second largest producer in the world behind the US. So clearly there's speculation around either a reduced or no supply, like that's possible, no supply coming out of Russia at all. And things like the destruction of gas pipelines and how that could actually interrupt supply. So last week on Friday, uh, oil went over $100 a barrel, which we haven't seen since 2014. But it's worth pointing out. So if you're not following this, you know, or are aware of what was regularly happening, you could have woke up thinking, oh, this thing's jumped like a lot. Well, actually, it had been progressively increasing since COVID. Mm. So back in when COVID really became a problem for markets back in sort of, you know, March, April uh, 2020, oil was at $20 a barrel. It was hovering around, you know, the $90 a barrel leading into this. Mm. So you can see that that... that escalation of energy prices has been going on for for a couple of years now and that's partly for a whole bunch of reasons like you know supply chain issues and so forth and you know one of the big things is actually the world's transition to green energy that now for um, basically any commodity is a supply and demand issue to knowing that the world is decarbonising for energy companies to actually reinvest in sort of, you know, you know, oil rigs or whatnot else, it has to have a really high return on invested capital. So the bar's really high. Mm. So there's a supply and demand dynamic playing out. It obviously fell in COVID because people weren't flying around the world. So as economies open up, increase in demand for, for energy, at the same time, supply's not there. So there was a supply-demand imbalance that was playing out. Now you throw what's happening on top of it now and that supply and demand imbalance could continue is what the market is starting to price in effectively. Um, but it was already there. So energy itself, I, you know, it, it's a part of the story, but I think, you know, the, there's, there's a few elements that, because quite often what happens in these situations is you need to think through the ancillary issues that, that start to come out. Now the supply, Disruption of supply is going to be a problem for Europe um, because Europe has increasingly become reliant on importing its energy. Now, again, mainly due to, you know, ESG-related uh, policy initiatives, regulatory uh, regulation driving, you know, supply reductions and just a lack of local investment means that actually, you know, about 40-odd percent of its oil comes from, is imported and about 56% of it's actually coming from Russia. Mm. Okay, so they're very, very reliant. Now, we actually saw the impact of this over the last year because energy prices have been going up and you saw the inflationary pressures um, coming into Europe sort of, you know, back back then. So this just actually increases that. So then that becomes a problem of, well, what does this then do to the European economy? Um, and Because effectively, rising energy prices is like a tax, okay? Yeah. Because energy impacts pretty much well everything, right? In, and this is where we get back to our inflation conversation in that energy is an essential input into pretty much all most supply chains, whether it is because the good that you've got has some sort of petroleum-based product in it or it has to be shipped from A to B, 
it, you know, it's impactful on absolutely everything and, and supplies. I actually saw a quote that um, our friends at Girls That Invest posted and it was by Barack Obama in 2022, so it's probably very recently. And the quote said, there may be some economic consequences such as sanctions given Russia's significant role in world energy markets, but that's a price we should be willing to pay to take a stand on the side of freedom. Mm. And It's a good quote. It is. And this is the whole thing, you know, if we take all these back to our own personal finances for a hot minute... You know, we've got to control the things that we can control. Absolutely. We can't control the fuel prices. We can't control the gas prices, but we can run a household budget tight. We can choose to not have lunch four days a week and have it one day. You know what I mean? So it just means we've got to be hyper vigilant to our own back pocket. Yep. But it also has impacts on what you should do with your investment portfolios Mm. as well, because you know, I know one of your listeners asked the question of during times like this, should I move to a more conservative investment option? Well, the problem is that more conservative investment option may not keep pace with inflation. Right. So right. as a practical example, that could mean I've got cash in my bank account yep. earning point earning nothing. percent. Let's go with nothing. Yeah, we'll go with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where inflation could be 3% in Australia. Three and a half at the moment. If you're in America, it's seven and a half. That's so wild, isn't it? Mm, Europe, it's five. So you need to be investing in things that are outperforming that just to keep pace. So mm. that's not even growing your wealth. That's just making sure your wealth's not deteriorating. Gosh. I would also caution against, and it's not just purely from an inflationary perspective, but you know, moving from you know a growth portfolio to a defensive portfolio during times like this, plenty of studies that show that is just usually a bad decision because what happens with a lot of big events like this that occur in markets is that the drawdown can be sharp and hard but the bounce is equally sharp and hard and you just will not be able to time getting in and out. So again, if you're a long-term investor, stay invested for the long term, stay invested in you know the risk profile that is appropriate for you over the long term. I wanted to add to that, like you see the odd comment from people and they say, oh, you know, I moved my super to conservative in January and then I'm probably going to go back in now and all that stuff. Yeah, you've got it. Sure, you're lucky. Good for you. Mm. It's not always going to happen. No. And the problem you've got with super funds, which is a managed fund, depending on the time of the day that you submit that switch, by the time the unit prices are allocated, you could have missed it anyway. Absolutely, absolutely. And and some di- terms it takes you know, up to five business days depending on the, you know, the investment structure and so forth that you're in. So maybe it, it is a good time for everybody to have a bit of a sense check, a bit of a cold shower uh, when it comes to their superannuation, which we know we're not touching for at least, probably most people listening to this podcast episode, and I will say most people, you might not be able to take and touch your super money for 20 years. Yep. So if you are invested in a growth portfolio of 80% growth and 20% defensive, why don't you just delete the super app off your phone and not log in and just log in yearly? I mean... Oh, absolutely. And actually, we have a behavioural science unit in, in our business and they've sort of done a study on, you know, if you were to check your investments daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, and how that could actually impact decision making. And it, it has a huge change in sort of the way that you think about it. Look at COVID, for example. If you went into a coma the day before the markets went crazy with COVID, came out of it a year later, 
you wouldn't have thought anything happened. You would have actually gone, oh, wow, look at, uh, look at how much the markets went up while I was asleep. Yeah. So you just the, – the thing is that you just can't time these. Mm. It's important to have a long-term perspective on what's your risk profile if you're – as you say, as most of your listeners are probably in that category of it's a long time before they're going to be touching it, you know, then, then stick with your, your profile of generating wealth, which for most people will probably be a bit higher up on the risk spectrum because you've got time on your side. Now, I've got a, a bit of a loaded question and tell me to shut up. Um, <laughs> Promise I can. You're, um, you know, we'll bring it back to, you know, Jody Fitzgerald from Morningstar. You know, you've been around money for so long. You might have parents yourself or uncles and aunts. Like, what happens if you're casually talking to your parents and they say, oh, Jody, we're worried. What do we do? Like, what do you, what do you tell someone? Because there's a lot yeah. of worry out there at the moment with financial markets. Yeah, there is. But, you know, there's always worry. Mm. There'll always be some headlines that are, that whenever the market's having a period of, of um, you know, negative returns, there's some sort of headline that's driving it and that people sort of worry. You know, I think the, the, the British have it right in terms of, you know, keep calm and carry on, Yeah, basically. So have a goal in mind. This is why having goals when you're investing is so important so that you can stick to those goals, um, that you can, you know, make sure you're engaging with the right professionals, be it an advisor, being it a professional fund manager who can, you know, make sure they're doing the right thing and having you in the right places from an investment perspective. But even people who are, who are older, because I know that there was a question that came through on your Facebook group yeah, about f- someone's oh, mum getting close maybe yeah. to retirement. Oh, here we go. Uh, Shiloh Ryan, apologies if I haven't pronounced your name correctly. How this might affect people who are planning on retiring this year, i.e. her mum. Yeah. So, and that's a really, it's a great question because, you know, a lot, I'm going to bring in a financial term, which I try not to do when I do these things. There's a thing called sequencing risk that the market talks about a lot. In the sense that if you unfortunately have to pull your market, your money out of the market, you know, the day after it's fallen 20%, that's a risk, that's a problem because you didn't get the sequence of events right effectively. Now, you know, there's sort of the, the mindset of once I retire, I take my money out and I put it in something conservative, which was probably the case when retirement was a 10-year proposition, but it's not anymore. So most people who are retiring are going to be underfunded and they need to remain invested. So granted, yes, you know, it gets uncomfortable because you feel like the day that you retire, the value of my assets are a lot lower. But if you stay invested and you've got an appropriate level of it, you know, the appropriate advice, the reality is you've still got another 20 years of investing, hopefully. And that's a good point, Jody, because... A lot of us might think, oh, when I retire, I get my superannuation and it goes, bam, into my bank account, fancy no. cash. But no, what happens is uh, your advisor or professional will set up your investments and you will draw down either each week or each month slightly on the portfolio. Yep. So, I'd probably say um, to anyone listening who might want to forward this episode to their parents, look, if you are wanting to retire in a couple of years and you haven't uh, engaged a financial advisor as yet, now is the time. Yeah, please do. And what usually will happen is when you speak to an advisor around these type of goals, they might say, okay, you want to retire in five years. Well, what we're going to do, we're going to, and I'm making something up here as an example, we're going to keep your superannuation invested over here. And for the next 
two years or three years of working, we're just going to put your contributions going forward into more conservative assets. Just to start to get ready for that moment because when you do retire, different advisors have different strategies. And for example, they might have a pool of money that has three years worth of income that you can draw down on each week confidently. And then if the part of the portfolio is invested in growth assets and that's volatile, we're not selling down assets at the worst time. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, exactly right. So, yeah, retirement doesn't mean going to cash. It really doesn't. You've got to stay invested because, you know, we live longer now than we ever have. And that's it. Like if 60 years old is the age where everyone wants to retire, and I will say retirement age in Australia, it's whatever age you want. But the Mm. question is, what are you going to live on? Yeah. (laughs) Age 67 is just the age that the government will give you social security if you act, if you can access it, yep. if you don't have enough assets. But let's just take the age 60. If you say, okay, I want to retire at age 60, well, statistically, you've got 25 years of living. So more if you're a woman. More if you're a woman. And the thing is, I know that Technic- and this is the whole thing where you really need to understand money and hopefully all you millennials listening, you are learning this stuff. Mm. But what if we could do a gen- what if we could encourage a generation, Jody, where when I retire at age sixty, it doesn't mean anything really changes that we keep a portfolio in growth assets because we understand how things work. Yeah. You keep a portfolio in the assets that allows you to generate the cash flow that you need Mm. to enjoy your lifestyle in retirement. Ultimately, that's why why we forego um, spending today. It's why we save. It's why we invest so we Mm. can enjoy our retirement. But I think also, as I said before, a lot of these geopolitical events, the market does tend to shrug them off quite quickly, but it's, it's variable in the time. We actually... Glenn, I'll give you a link to an article that we've just written on this and there's a graph in there that shows, you know, different geopolitical events and how long the drawdown lasted and then how quickly it bounced back. Yeah, we'll and put it, that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. so I'll, I'll send you a link through to that because and it's just got some, you know, interesting information about, you know, what, what might happen and, you mm. know, again, the keep calm and carry on concept. Yeah. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Let's have a look at some questions and comments here. Um, this is an interesting one. Dane Fernandez says there's two things that influence investors, fear and greed. Yeah. I mean, that's a, I guess, Glenn James investing as a bum on the street. That's that kind of lizard brain. Yep. I, you know, it's yes or no, like it's a lever. In the institutional world, how much do you see that at institutional level? Everyone's a human at the end of the day, and we're all subject to investor bias, every single one of us, okay? Institutional investors might be more mindful of their biases, but it doesn't mean that they, you know, that they necessarily don't act on them. You've also got other things that people have in mind, you know, other elements that might be impactful, right, in in the sense that business risk. So, oh, well, if we generate bad returns for a year, someone, you know, so there's just, or there's all these other elements that are playing out. And, and, and this is why investing, and you mentioned earlier, well, we're, we're talking about the fact that, you know, most people say that the markets will, or economists will say that the market fully discounts in all the available information. Over the long term, it does, mm. right? It really does. And this is why like passive ETF investors, you know, that that's the, the point of the market's rational. Yep. But in short term, behavioural finance takes over from monetary, um, efficient monetary, um, not efficient monetary, sorry, efficient portfolio theory. So you've kind of got the two. One plays out in the long term, but in the short term, you've got emotions. And everybody, unfortunately, is is subject to them. Josh Cole makes a good comment. When in doubt, zoom out. (laughs) Um, Rachel uh, Watson in the Facebook group also said, what is the best way to fortify against drastic changes in the markets due to unknown actions like wars, pandemics? Is it really as simple as diversification? And I want to add to that, um, what are some type of defensive considerations that might be in a portfolio? Yeah, sure. So, yes, diversification is super important in these things. Um, you know, un- Unfortunately, when you get some really big events like this, what can happen is all asset classes can sell off at the same time, but that's usually very short-lived because the market just does a reassessment, a recorrection, uh, and, and away we go. So diversification plays a super important role. You know, though, we're in a really interesting situation at the moment, though, with markets, and we were talking earlier about inflation and that the equity markets were starting to sell off because of concerns about inflation. Now, and I think maybe we should just step through that a little bit more because yeah, it's not just it's not just energy. So we will, will remind me if I haven't circled back to to your original question. Yeah. So it's not just energy prices, but actually Russia and Ukraine accounts for about twenty five percent of global wheat production. Uh, it's Ukraine does thirteen percent of corn exports, and the two countries is about eighty percent of sunflower oil. So food inflation is actually a major risk. Okay. Transport inflation, because you've got this, um, you know, you've got obviously a war going on. So, you know, shipping um, routes or rail, freight rail may need to be redirected. That That's a cost. That's an expense. Plus, you've got the impact of oil prices on that. Then there's things like metals that actually come out of Russia. And two of the bigger ones being uh, uh, neon gas and palladium are really, really important in the manufacturing of things like um, microchips, chips, which there's already been a shortage of. It's important for your phones, for cars, etc. So as you can see, this inflation's sort of starting to come through. And there, I've seen some estimates saying it could actually add about 2%. Now, we said earlier, in America, 7.5%. Imagine if that's 95 Here it's 35 could be 55 Hence, you know, so your investment portfolio, the diversification against these 
events are important, but it's also going to be important in terms of, well, how do I make sure my portfolio is going to be robust enough for, you know, any of these sorts of outcomes that might play out like inflation? And the typical response, you know, when people hear diversification, say have some equities, have some bonds, etc. Bonds is in an unusual, bonds being fixed income is in a really unusual situation at the moment because um, when you actually work out the price of a bond, so I'm going to give you a quick bond 101 lesson, um, you know, probably one of the least interesting capital markets that there is that most people ignore, but effectively 101 price moves in the opposite direction to interest rates. So as interest rates go up, the value of your bond goes down. Don't need to get into the maths of why that is. That's all you need to know. So as central banks, whether it be the Reserve Bank here or the Fed over in the States, start increasing interest rates, right, you will get capital losses in bond portfolios. That said, though, because the interest rates have gone up, you know, you'll earn a bit more of a yield, may counteract. But, you know, bonds are not hugely attractive at this point in time. There will become a point, though, when they are, when they've sort of, you know, they've already, once they've priced in enough interest rate hikes. But what we really need is things that will be a nice inflation hedge in the portfolio as well. Um, and that can be a number of different things. So people naturally go gold. I was going to say, does it start with G, Gucci? Well, yeah, yeah, it, is, <laughs> it is one, but the question then becomes, well, but am I too late? Yeah. Because when you want insurance, so think about it like insurance, right? You want insurance on your house before it burns down, not while it's burning down. And this is kind of that situation. You can't kind of come into an environment where inflation's already on the cards, the market's already pricing in interest rate increases, throw sort of the, you know, geopolitical instability in and all of a sudden I need some inflation protection. Most of it's going to be too expensive. Um, so what you want to do is, and what we're doing at the moment is that we're looking at good quality companies with pricing power. So who can pass on these price increases? Not going to be helpful for me as a consumer, but as an investor it will be. It'll help keep the value of my wealth up because their margins won't be as eroded and so forth. So, you know, they're the sorts of things that we actually look at. But then there's a lot of uncertainty in that because um, even though there's inflationary pressures, they could, remember I said earlier about this could actually cause economic growth to slow. So now the central banks are in this situation and some commentators are saying, well, maybe it'll slow them down and they won't increase interest rates. The fact is we don't know. Uh, the Fed meet, meets in March and I think that'll be a real sort of moment for markets um, with, with regards to how they respond. I just want to touch on, uh, particularly in Australia, people might not really see a reaction to their asset prices within superannuation. Yes. Um, why would that be if I'm leading the witness? <laughs> <laughs> Judge, he was leading the witness. It, predominantly because of the high portion of unlisted assets, right? So these assets are not what we call marked to market. So in other words, you don't know what it's valued day in, day out. They value them, you know, every now and again. So, for example, you don't know what the value of your house is every day. If you did, you'd probably have anxiety. Mm. But people do know the value of their stocks every day because they can look it up on, you know, on the exchange, etc. So it's sort of, it may look on the surface like your funds are doing better or, or really well, but that doesn't mean that they won't be revalued at some point. Mm. Yeah. And I think I just wanted, you know, and time flies when you really get into the weeds and I really wanted this episode to, to be more of just a don't react 
with your Absolutely. money. Like we we can all, and this is funny, Jody. like all worldwide events, uh, whether they're close to home or not close to home, can hang heavy over people's hearts and different type of personalities. Like, so me, for example, I'm a fixer. Hmm. I need to fix something. That's such a boy thing. Oh, I know. It's like, <laughs> give, I will fix this. I'll sell my portfolio and move it to cash right now. Like, And then I'll I, miss the bounce. And that, so... I wanted this episode to be more of a PSA about, you know, keep calm and carry on with your investing. Yes. Now, what would you say, you know, and we do need to wrap it up just to uh, respect your time and everyone else's time. You know, if, if someone's not already invested and they've got what we call new money yep. uh, to go in, you might have received a $10,000 bonus or something huge yep. or $5,000 or $1,000 bonus, whatever that is in your world and you want to invest in shares, what are you saying people would consider in this climate with new money to be invested? Yeah. With new money, look, well, firstly, I think it's a, it's a great time to start out, right? Um, in the sense that be mindful and accepting of the fact that the day you put your money in, the next day it could be down. But you're, you now have the opportunity to buy assets cheaper than what they were a year ago. Mm. Okay, so, so that's a good thing. Um, and what we often find as professional investors, this volatility creates opportunities for us to pick up assets. Those opportunities, though, um, sometimes aren't necessarily in the most obvious place. They're in sort of like adjacent regions. So that's why it's so, – so from that perspective, I would say I think it's really important if you're starting out, start out in a professional managed account – um, is probably a good way to go to get a feel for the way markets behave, etc. Then you've got somebody else looking at it, worrying about it, working out where the opportunities are. Be diversified. Mm. Be diversified. Um, you know, don't just go out and say, okay, all my friends have got this stock or, you know, heaven forbid, this cryptocurrency or, you know, whatever. Go in, be diversified, but know that right now I can pick up assets cheaper than I could a year ago. So that's not a bad thing. Mm. And that was kind of already starting to happen regardless of the um, the issues in Europe at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at, I don't, I'm not sure how closely you watch stock markets, but, you know, at the beginning of the year, you know, things like Facebook, Netflix, those things are down, you know, 30, bit, well, depending on the day you looked at mm-hmm. it, anywhere between 30 and sort of 38%. So this market correction was starting to occur because the market got ahead of itself concerns about inflation, concerns about rising interest rates has led the market to reprice risk. Mm. And now uncertainty, markets hate it and it's causing volatility. So I'm a bit pissed off, Jody, because you're basically saying the normal rules of investing still apply in good times and in bad times. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Because going back to that whole, like economists say, over the long term, mm. the market prices in the information correctly. The short term, people get fully emotional, um, and you know, and and that is where mistakes can be made. So, if just keep your mind on your goals, my you know, my advice would be, you know, make sure that you've got somebody. You know, if you don't have a planner, I'd suggest you you look at getting yourself a financial advisor. Think about what's my goals, what's my objectives, how do I invest to meet those objectives. And that doesn't change based on what's happening in the world because, you know, again, I guarantee that if, you know, you wake up, if you put your money in the drawer and don't look at it and come back, 
your reaction to it in a year's time will be very different to if you're watching it every single day. Mm. So there you have it, everyone. Um, I just wanted to have this episode as a bit of an encouragement with you and your money that, you know, close your investment apps. You know, Jody, I don't have my superannuation app on my phone. I don't have my investment apps on my phone. Yeah. I, I really don't. And I just invest monthly. Yeah, it's anxiety provoking. I think if you could draw an analogy, I don't you. I don't know if everyone else did the same thing I did when COVID first started. You listen to the daily updates on the news. You get to the point where it's anxiety provoking. You mm. go right. I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah, and for and, my and own mental health, I'm yeah. just like not going there. This is the same. Don't mm. look at your portfolio every day. Mm. Um, you know, it's it. You you'll end up making bad decisions as a result. Yeah. So. Did you want to add anything else or was there anything that I haven't asked you that you wanted to just comment on? No, I think we've uh, covered some good ground in the sense of, you know, this is a horrible situation. It is causing more volatility, but that correction was already starting to play out anyway. Mm. So why would you behave any differently? Um, Just have a good plan in place and uh, keep calm and carry on. And I would just say at the moment, if you are in a fortunate position to have money to invest right now, why don't you seriously consider carving off some of that money and donating to a worthy cause to help someone who might not be in a position like you're in? Absolutely. That's a really great idea, particularly given, you know, that you know, our focus should be on the the, the humanitarian, human, yeah, yeah, the humanitarian I mean, like, tragedy that's playing Any up. posts in the Facebook group where they're like tone deaf and can't read the room, I'm just going to delete them because it's not helpful. And, you know, that's why I just wanted to have a discussion today to encourage you to just, it's okay, you know, see if you can help and not focus on your own money. Like we've all got our own money and take it as read that we all need to focus on our own money and we're our own super. We get that. But if you're fortunate enough to listen to this podcast and you're fortunate enough to have some money left over to invest, well, what about you chill out for 10 seconds and see how you can, in this period of time, help someone else? Yeah. It's pretty simple, right? So I just want to say thanks to everyone for listening. Um, and I hope this has been a, best, a bit of an encouragement for you and your money. Uh, thanks, Jody, for you know jumping on the mic at short notice. Pleasure. And thanks to ING um, in Sydney, where it, um, ING is at the moment, uh, head office. They let me use their meeting rooms when I need to. And what I'm going to do, Jody, is organise. Maybe we'll do another episode or something down at Morningstar office in the coming weeks and yeah. we'll get you back on and answer some more listener questions. Yeah, because it will be, as I said, you probably need to strap yourself in for a bit if you're inclined to look at the markets. My first piece of advice is just don't look at it. Yeah. Right? You know, just don't. Just come back and look at it in a couple of months' time. Mm. Um, but no, they'll, you know, it'll be good to sort of continue unpack things and, and if people are concerned, try to help answer their questions. Love it. All right, guys, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. 
If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.